Hi, welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. For like a month now, it's been too long since the last time I recorded, so maybe that gave you a chance to catch up. <laughs> um, so we're going to be reading Doctrine and Covenants sections 81 to 83, and we're just so behind that we just got to get into it and I'm going to try and read and cover this quickly because the battery is dying on the iPad and I have some things that I want to read from there so we don't want it to die and trying to set all this stuff up just to read it you know if I were to get the cord and everything anyways it would just keep time would just keep passing by and we would just not do it. Also, I am outside. We are in the Waikoloa uh, Fairway Villas here in the Big Island of Hawaii. And we're on our Hawaii vacation with the kids. And it's been amazing and so fun. And today is actually our last day here. But um, everybody, all the kids are sleeping and mom and dad are awake, so I wanted to get this reading in before anybody else wakes up. So here we go. Um, Doctrine and Covenants, section 81, revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Hiram, Ohio, March 15th, 1832. Frederick G. Williams is called to be the high priest and a counselor in the presidency of the high priesthood. The historical records show that when this revelation was received in March 1832, it called Jesse Goss to the office of counselor to Joseph Smith in the presidency. However, when he failed to continue in a manner consistent with the appointment, the call was subsequently subsequently transferred to Frederick G. Williams. The revelation dated March 1832 should re- should be regarded as a step toward the formal organization of the first presidency, specifically calling for the office of counselor in that body and explaining the dignity of the appointment. Brother Goss served for a time but was excommunicated from the church in December 1832. Brother Williams was ordained to the specified office March 18, 1833. So 1-2, to the keys of the kingdom are always held by the first presidency. 3-7, to if Frederick G. Williams is faithful in his ministry, he will have eternal life. Okay, I love... I'm just going to read this here. Um, This is like the historical background from the Redhead Hostess. says, the church was still young and at this time there was no... No first presidency and no quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Although the keys were upon the earth, there was still organization that needed to happen. So that's why this revelation was given. At this time, Joseph was the president of the high priesthood, and there was a bishop in Kirtland, who was Newell K. Whitney, and a bishop in Zion, who was Edward Partridge. It was now time for the Lord to direct the organization of the first presidency, although it will not be called that yet. So that's um, that's where we're at. And there was a, there's some history here given about Jesse Goss and who he was. Um, but what I what I want to point out is I don't necessarily want to focus on the fact that poor Jesse Goss was excommunicated and who knows why um, 
you know, only the Lord and that's okay, you know. Um, but I do love that whoever is called in like the Lord's never going to lead the church or us astray. And so if someone is not able to be a good example, like, you know, um, to us as far as like the prophet or the first presidency, um, if they're not going to be a good example to us and they're not going to be able to do those things the Lord requires of them, then he, then the Lord's going to call someone else who can. And, and I've learned that in my life where if the spirit is calling me or asking me to do something and I don't, the spirit will ask someone else to do it instead. Now it's not saying that I am an evil person and therefore, you know, the Lord you know, is just mad. So he's going to call somebody else because they're better. It's not about that. I think it's just about moving the work forward. And if someone's not going to be able to move the work forward, it's not that the Lord doesn't love us. It's that his work must go on. So he's going to find someone who's going to help his work move forward. Right. And so if we're just not in the right place to help his work move forward he still loves us he's still gonna guide us in the direction that we need to go and he's still gonna you know hope that we make those choices that will bring us closer to him and he still wants us to repent and come come unto him we just are on a different path different uh not different path but different um stage in our path where we can help um move his work forward with him and it's a privilege to be able to work with the Lord. And if you don't see it that way, then it's okay, but he has to find somebody else that will. Because it is, it is a privilege and it's awesome. Um, And here in the Redheaded Hostess, it kind of gives us a little, they kind of give us a little like a uh, snippet of who Frederick G. Williams was. It says he was a justice of the peace in Kirtland when missionaries came through. He was baptized and then went with the missionaries to the Lamanites, was a counselor to Joseph Smith. Joseph named his son after Frederick and likely felt, and then Frederick G. Williams likely fell away from the church and was rebaptized and returned to the church. And so you know, what's, what's interesting is that, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily hear anything from Jesse Goss again, because it, um, later on, we find out that Jesse Goss actually passed away, um, three years or four years after. Yeah. In 1836 is what his death certificate shows. And, and so, you know, we don't, we don't hear anything else from him. But Frederick G. Williams, you know, he fell away from the church also, but was able to be rebaptized and returned to the church. So I guess it seems like a lot of the early saints, like something similar happens where they fall away, like after they're super like 
involved and things like that, they then fall away, but then they come back or they just fall away, but never, you know, um, say anything bad about the Book of Mormon. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that like we all have periods of time in our lives where we're unsure of our faith. And then if we are given enough time, we're able to, or maybe the right circumstances, then we're able to come back. And so, I mean, I have like a similar story and, you know, um, where I fell away or, you know, considered not active or, you know, I wasn't making the best choices and then I chose to come back. Right. And so I think it depends on how strong our initial conversion was to keep us committed. And so that's something that we definitely need to think about. Okay. So we haven't even started. Okay. Better. It's. Verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, my servant Frederick G. Williams, listen to the voice of him who speaketh to the word of the Lord your God, and hearken to the calling wherewith you are called, even to be a high priest in my church, and a counselor unto my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., unto whom I have given the keys of the kingdom, which belong always unto the presidency of the high priesthood. Therefore, verily, I acknowledge him, and will bless him, and also thee, inasmuch as thou art faithful in counsel, in the office which I have appointed unto you in prayer always vocally and in thy heart in public and in private also in thy ministry in proclaiming the gospel in the land of the living and among thy brethren and in doing these things thou wilt do the greatest good unto thy fellow beings and will promote the glory of him who is your Lord Wherefore, be faithful, stand in the office which I have appointed unto you, succor the weak, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees. And if thou art faithful unto the end, thou shalt have a crown of immortality and eternal life in the mansions which I have prepared in the house of my Father. Behold and lo, these are the words of Alpha and Omega, even Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a quote by President Joseph Fielding Smith. He says, an individual may fall by the wayside or have views or give counsel, which fall short of what the Lord intends. But the voice of the first presidency and the united voice of those others who hold them with them, the keys of the kingdom shall always guide the saints and the world in those paths where the Lord wants them to be. And this is from the eternal keys and the right of Right to Preside, found in the Enzyme, July 1972, pages 87 and 88. And then there's this other quote by President Gordon B. Hinckley in the April 1995 General Conference. And we love President Hinckley, of course, so we need to read this. He says, We are all in this great endeavor together. We are here to assist our Father in his work and his glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Your obligation is as serious in your sphere of responsibility as is my obligation in my sphere. No calling in this church is small or of little consequence. All of us in the pursuit of our duty touch the lives of others. And he quotes 
Doctrine and Covenants 81, verse 5 and verse 4. And then he says, You have as great an opportunity for satisfaction in the performance of your duty as I do in mine. The progress of this work will be determined by our joint efforts. Whatever your calling, it is as fraught with the same kind of opportunity to accomplish good as is mine. What is really important is that this is the work of the master. Our work is to do, to go about doing good as, as did he. And that's just so perfect because sometimes we think, oh, so-and-so has a better calling or, you know, or we aspire to better callings. I don't know if anybody aspires to specific callings that require more work, but um, sometimes we can find ourselves feeling less than when we don't get the calling maybe that we prefer or um, sometimes we don't even think our callings are as important so we don't even do them i.e. ministering so it's important that we realize like all of our callings are going to be just as important as the prophet's call because we're just here to do the Lord's work and we can do the Lord's work in many different areas and in different ways. And then Doctrine and Covenants section 82. Um, so this section comes, um, let me see, let me see if I can re read this here. That on March 24th, 1832, Joseph and Emma were staying in the jo John Johnson home. This was the night that Joseph was tarred and feathered. Joseph's mother, Lucy Max Smith, recorded about this night in detail. And you guys will want to read that. It's Lucy Max Smith, History of Joseph Smith by His Mother. Is I guess that's a book, right? And then chapter 41. And you can read the details of that. Um, and just I'll quote just a tiny bit. She says, Joseph at this time was engaged in translating the Bible and Sidney Rigdon was writing for him. About the first of this month, Joseph came to the conclusion to remove himself and, and clerk as well as their families to Hiram in order to expedite the work. They moved to the house of Father John Johnson and lived with him in peace until the following March when a circumstance occurred, which I shall relate in his own words. Okay, so this was how Joseph told his mom what went down. But, um... Then she wrote it, and then, but I, I can't read it because it's too emotional. But Elder Jeffrey R. Holland wrote, or um, shared this in the BYU speeches, January 13, 1987, and it's titled The Bitter Cup and the Bloody Baptism, and super good. I'm going to try and read it um, just so that you will have it here but at but by no means am I going to read it the way that he is going to read it or the or the way that he delivers it because he you know Elder Holland we know how amazing he is so he says on the night of March 24th 1832 a dozen men stormed the Hiram Ohio home where Joseph and Emma Smith were staying both were physically and emotionally spent not only from all the travails of the young church at that time, but also because on this particular evening they had been up caring for their two adopted twins, born 11 months earlier on the same day that Emma had given birth to and then lost their own twins. Emma had gone to bed first while Joseph stayed up with the children. 
then she had arisen to take her turn encouraging her husband to get some sleep no sooner had he began had he begun sorry had he begun to doze than he heard his wife give a terrifying scream and found himself being torn from the house and very nearly being torn limb from limb cursing as they went the mob that had seized him were swearing to kill joseph if he resisted one man grabbed him by the throat until he lost consciousness from lack of breath he came to only to overhear part of their conversation on whether he should be murdered he, it was determined that for now he would simply be stripped naked, beaten senseless, tarred and feathered, and left. See, it's really hard to read this. And left to fend for himself in the bitter March night. Stripped of his clothing, fighting off fists and tar paddles on every side, and resisting a vial of some liquid perhaps poison which he shattered with his teeth as it was forced into his mouth he miraculously managed to fight off the entire mob and eventually make his made his way back to the house in the dim light his wife through tears through the tar stains covering his body were blood stains and she fainted at the sight Whew, this is intense also dad just interrupted me and told me that we need to check out of this place instead at 10 instead of 11 of course um so i guess it's a good thing he interrupted me because now i can actually read um so that it's not so intense and maybe i can get through it okay so friends spent the entire night scraping and removing the tar and applying liniments to his scratched and battered body you guys can look that up because <laughs> i'm gonna go look it up i now quote directly from the prophet joseph's record quote by morning i was ready to be clothed again this being the sabbath morning the people assembled for meeting at the usual hour of worship and among them came also the mobber, the mobbers of the night before. Then he names them. With my flesh all scarified and defaced, I preached to the congregation as usual, and in the afternoon of the same day baptized three individuals. Unfortunately, one of the adopted twins, growing worse from the exposure and turmoil of the night, died the following Friday. With my flesh all scarified and defaced, I preached to the congregation as usual. End quote. So this is what Elder Holland says. To that slimy band of cowards who by Friday next will quite literally be the murderers of your child stand there hurting from the hair of your head that was pulled and then tarred into a mat hurting right down to your foot that was nearly torn off being wrenched out the door of your own home preach the gospel to that damnable bunch of sniveling repro reprobates surely this is no time to stand by principle 
it is daylight now and the odds aren't 12 to 1 anymore. Oh yeah, I would have. Anyways, he says, quote, Let's just conclude this Sunday service right now and go outside to finish last evening's business. It was, after all, a fairly long night for Joseph and Emma. Maybe it should be an equally short morning for this dirty dozen who have snickeringly shown up for church. But those feelings that I have, even now just reading about this experience 150 years later, and feelings... I know that would have raged in my Irish blood that morning, or I fill in Peruvian blood that morning, Hispanic blood, y'all's know. Mark only one of the differences between me and the prophet Joseph Smith. You see, a disciple of Christ, which I testify to you, Joseph was and is, always has to be a disciple. The judge does not give any time off for bad behavior. A Christian always stands on principle, even as old Holland is out there swinging a pitchfork and screaming an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, forgetting, as dispensation after dispensation has forgotten, that this only leaves everyone blind and toothless. No, the good people, the strong people, dig down deeper and find a better way. Like Christ, they know that when it is hardest to be so is precisely the time you have to be at your best. End quote. And I echo those feelings, those actions that I would have taken to... Because I would have forgot all that mess right then. So Joseph Smith is just so awesome. Such a great prophet. So courageous. So despite, so this is now the red-headed hostess writing. Despite all the terror they experienced and mourning the loss of Joseph's son, Joseph and Sydney, Sydney, had to had not forgotten that the Lord wanted them to go to Missouri to form the United Firm. See Doctrine and Covenant 78, remember? The persecution was not going to stop, and the work must go forward. So just one week later, Joseph Smith, Newell K. Whitney, Jesse Goss, and Peter Whitmore left for independence. Sydney met them along the, the journey, and they all arrived to independence together. This revelation, Doctrine and Covenants 82, was received as they were seeking to organize the united firm wow right that's all i have to say section 82 revelation given to joseph smith the prophet in independence jackson county missouri april 26 1832 the occasion was a council of high priests and elders of the church at the council, Joseph Smith was sustained as the president of the high priesthood to which office he had previously been ordained at a conference of high priests, elders, and members. And Am at Amherst, Ohio, January 25th, 1832, see the heading to section 75. This revelation reiterates the instructions given to an earlier revelation, 70, section 78, to establish a firm known as the United Firm under Joseph Smith's direction, the term order later replaced firm. 
to govern the church's mercantile and publishing endeavors. Okay, just a thought that was occurring to me, you know, um, or probably the spirit telling me that if the Lord's church, if this wasn't the, the Lord's true church on the earth, why would he have experienced so much persecution, especially right before he was going to be ordained, uh, right before the, the first presidency was was being set apart and organized and everything was being made more official, right? So, of course, Satan was doing his worst to try and uh, stop the Lord's work, but he can't. And so the Lord chose such a great, great servant because so many fell away around him. That must have been so hard, right? Because... We know how hard it is to lose when we when we feel the loss that our friends feel when they don't know who they are or when the adversary has deceived them. We feel that loss with them. And so it must have been really hard for Joseph to see so many of his dear friends no longer have the same convictions that he did or the same strength or testimony or that they got weakened and of course you know Joseph's always welcoming people back open arms no matter what they did So we can definitely look to him for an example of how we can treat our friends too. Um, okay, one through four, where much is given, much is required. Five to seven, darkness reigns in the world. Eight to 13, the Lord is bound when we do what we, when we do what he says. Oh, I love that. That reminds me. I'll, I'll tell you who it reminds me of. Um, 14 to 18 Zion must increase in beauty and holiness 19 to 24 every man should seek the interest of his neighbor boy this is going to be a longer one and I can't even go blow my nose so I'm sorry because <laughs> we got to hurry now verily verily I say unto you my servants that inasmuch as you have forgiven one another your trespasses even so I the Lord forgive you wow that he started with that And you know, Joseph's always, that was like the reason why he even came to the Lord in prayer originally. And so to, to start with that must have really made him feel so seen. wash this shirt <laughs> I have a bunch of boogers on it I gotta go get a napkin okay nevertheless there are those among you who have sinned exceedingly yea even all of you have sinned but verily I say unto you beware from henceforth and refrain from sin lest sore judgments fall upon your heads 
For of him unto whom much is given, much is required, and he who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation. Also, I really like how in uh, Don't Miss This, they specify, or uh, Sister Freeman mentioned something about switching the order of the to whom much is given, much is required. That to whom much is required, much is also given. And I thought that that was really cool that she mentioned that. Okay, we had to pause and like blow your no- blow our nose and get everything ready to go. So, um, we could be ready here. Okay, whom to? Okay, this is a quote in, by Sister Sherry Eldu from the October nineteen ninety nine General Conference. It says, "At times, the demands of discipleship are heavy, but shouldn't we expect the journey towards eternal glory to stretch us? We sometimes rationalize our preoccupation with this world and our casual attempts to grow spiritually by trying to console each other with the notion that living the gospel really shouldn't require all that much of us. The Lord's standard of behavior will always be more demanding than the world's, but then the Lord's rewards are infinitely more glorious, including true joy, peace, and salvation. This is from her October 1999 General Conference Address. Sister Sherry L. Du, she's always the best. <laughs> it says the awesomest things. Um, okay, so ye call upon my name for revelations and I give them unto you and inasmuch as ye keep not my sayings which I give unto you ye become transgressors and justice and judgment are the penalty which is affixed unto my law oh boy I just got ran out of battery over there (laughs) number five therefore what I say unto one I say unto all watch for the adversary spreadeth his dominions and darkness reigneth and the anger of God kindleth against the inhabitants of the earth, and none doeth good, for all have gone away, gone out of the way. And now verily I say unto you, I the Lord will not lay any sin to your charge. Go your ways and sin no more, but unto that soul who sinneth shall be shall the former sins return, saith the Lord your God. And again I say unto you, I give unto you a new commandment, that you may understand my will concerning you. Or, in other words, I give unto you directions how you may act before me, that it may turn to you for your salvation. I, the Lord, am bound when ye do what I say, but when ye do not what I say, ye have no promise. Now, this scripture I told you I was going to tell you whose favorite this is. Sister Patty Maurer. I got to serve with her in our Relief Society presidency, and she was just the best. And this was her favorite quote. Anytime you would ask her to give a spiritual thought or... A lesson or a message this was her number one favorite talk to give and it was the best and so um I remember sister Patty Maurer so well and I bet auntie would too so yeah it was the best being able to learn from her when I was really society president Okay, number 11, therefore, verily I say unto you that it is expedient for my servants, um, Edward Partridge and Newell K. Whitney, 
A. Sidney Gilbert and Sidney Rigdon and my servant Joseph Smith and John Whitmer and Oliver Cowdery and W. W. Phelps and Martin Harris to be bound together by a bond and covenant that cannot be broken by transgression except judgment shall immediately follow in your several stewardships. Okay, we're going to take a mini break there um, because I wanted to let you know we have changed locations here in Hawaii um, because we... I remember I told you we needed to hurry and leave and so we did and now we are at our new place which by the way we ended up going hiking in this really cool um, lava rock place it was between two volcanoes and it was so cool Um, because there was like all dry and then it started getting like there were some bushes and some trees and then it was like the rainforest it was amazing um anyway and so now we're at this place here it's at lester and Susie chun's place and their property is gorgeous like they have their home and a couple buildings but then the outskirts is like a jungle like we wish we could build this around our home and it would be amazing (laughs) but anyways um we're gonna get into it again we are on number 12 here in doctrine and covenants 82 but i needed to have a break and let you know oh also the boys really loved swimming here um because they have like this out of ground over the ground pool um and it's actually really cool like check out the pictures on google photos because it is sweet and um and it seems like the out of of the ground pools aren't that bad like i think the water would get too cold in utah um to be able to have one of these but we could definitely fit one on our property in fact we should put one in like that corner that um that the trampoline is in and move the trampoline somewhere else you know what i mean because this pool is legit maybe we'll have to see about buying one because it doesn't even look dirty or anything and they have like this little side pump and it doesn't even take up that much space so yeah maybe we should ask them about that because i think that pool would be sweet and who knows like heating that much probably would not require a lot of heating so that'd be sweet Anyways, um, now it's raining. I'm sure you could hear it. And it's just beautiful. And it reminds me of Florida and like watching the rain. And I remember doing that a lot as a teenager and thinking that that was the coolest thing. And it was just so peaceful. Maybe that's why we like white noise, right? Okay. Number 12. Let's see. I can barely see because I just woke up. (laughs) My eyes take a minute to adjust now that we're older. It's crazy. Okay, to manage the affairs of the poor and all things pertaining to the bishopric, both in the land of Zion and in the land of Kirtland. For I have consecrated the land of Kirtland in mine own due time for the benefit of the saints of the Most High and for the stake of Zion. For Zion must increase in beauty and in holiness. Her borders must be enlarged. Her stakes must be strengthened. Yea, verily I say unto you, Zion must arise and put on her beautiful garments. And I 
when I read beautiful garments, to me that means, you know, our sacred temple garments. Um, and then, you know, or like our covenants, you know, we want to make those covenants and not just make them, but arise and like put them on on purpose, right? Like our armor. Um, so it can mean a lot of things, but it's basically like he's calling us into action. Like, let's do this. Let's go. You know, therefore I give unto you this commandment that ye bind yourselves by this covenant and it shall be done according to the laws of the Lord. Behold, here is wisdom also in me for your good. And if you are to be equal, or in other words, you are to have equal claims on the properties for the benefits of managing the concerns of your stewardships, every man according to his wants and his needs, inasmuch as his wants are just, and all this for the benefit of the church of the living God, that every man may improve upon his talent, that every man may gain other talents, yea, even an hundredfold, to be cast into the Lord's storehouse to become the common property of the whole church. Every man seeking the interest of his neighbor and doing all things with, with an eye single to the glory of God. I love these scriptures right there talking about how, okay, so first he's forming us into wards and into stakes and that it's supposed to benefit us in a way that we can improve ourselves by learning new things and gaining more talents and skills and things like that but then for because we are doing that in this setting we can help his work go forward because we are using our talents and our gifts and the things he's blessed us with to benefit others to bless our neighbors to bless our families that are you know, in need or not in need. Hi, dad just joined me out here. So we're just going to keep going. But it's beautiful out here, so I can't keep it all to myself. <laughs> I'm supposed to ignore him. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, I love that because you can gain more talents and he wants us to gain more talents but as we do so we can help other people but also uh, helping other people helps us gain more talents so it's kind of like a full circle and number 20 this order i have appointed to be an everlasting order unto you and unto your successors in as much as you sin not and the soul that sins against this covenant and hardeneth his heart against it shall be dealt with according to the laws of my church and shall be delivered over to the bufferings, buffetings of Satan until the day of redemption. And now verily I say unto you, and this is wisdom, make unto yourselves friends with the mammon of unrighteousness and they will not destroy you. Leave judgment alone with me for it is mine and I will repay. Peace be with you. My blessings continue with you. For even yet the kingdom is yours and shall be forever if you fall not from your steadfastness. Even so, amen. Okay, so this number 22 says that we need to make ourselves friends with mammon. Of, the mammon of unrighteousness. So let's click on the word mammon and see what that says. That takes us to Luke chapter 16 verse 9. It says, And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail... 
they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Okay, so being that we're on vacation, um, <laughs> it almost means to me, like, make friends with people that you don't know. Make friends with maybe people that aren't making the best choices like you might be, or maybe you have friends that are making better choices, which you should keep those friends. But, um, this is kind of what I'm understanding from this. And so if you want to, you know, look up mammon, you can do that on Google. It's fine. Or look it up in the gospel dictionary, um, or in the Bible. But to me, this means make friends with people that are not of our faith and they will not destroy you as in you know if you continue to be righteous and if you continue to make good choices the lord is going to protect you when you are making friends of other faiths and you can strengthen your testimony as you uh, make friends of other faiths because you can learn together right and you can be a good example to those around you i remember when i was a teenager like i would go to church but then I'd have my church friends and then in school I was the only member in my school and so I pretty much had to make friends with everybody else who was not a member and I have really good friends that are not of our faith and you know as I made good choices they learned about my beliefs and then um, I do remember passing out a book of Mormon to somebody that I didn't really even know it was just in like this elective class that I had and later on okay like this was at the way beginning of my school year and then later on in the last year of my school year um this person found me and told me that she was going to get baptized and that she was so grateful she gave me a hug and everything and I was just like who is this person she's like remember you gave me a book of mormon and i did remember giving one book of mormon out the entire school year and this was her but i mean i didn't remember who she was i didn't even remember her name but you know to to her i was like a really good person to help her come closer to christ right even though i had no idea who she was at the time because i forgot and sometimes the lord places us in in people's lives to help them come unto christ and that's what that's what this whole thing is about that's what life is about to help people come unto christ and so you never know how you're going to affect somebody's life for the better you can also not know how you're going to affect somebody's life and be a bad example but if if you can continue to make good choices, you can affect people in a positive way and bring people to Christ. And that is what he wants. And he says, leave judgment alone with me for it is mine and I will repay. So sometimes when we are making friends who are not of our faith or maybe who are of our faith, but aren't at the level of conversion that we might be at. And sometimes they might be mean to us or sometimes we know they're making a bad choice. And so we, we don't want to be their friend because we're like, mm, we don't really want to have friends like that, right? And and that's okay. Sometimes if you know where your level of spirituality is, you might not want to be friends with those who have different life choices because then they might bring they might make us 
um, make bad choices ourselves if we don't feel like we're strong enough to handle that on our own. But, and sometimes they'll just flat out be mean to us or um, things like that. And this is, he says to leave judgment alone with him. So we don't judge people. Sometimes we'll look at somebody and be like, I don't want to be their friend. They're not cool. Right. But that's, that's not our, our call. We can discern if a situation or a person is not making good choices and we can discern for ourselves to know that we don't want to do that in our own life, but we can't place final judgment on somebody and say that they're going to go to hell because of a choice that they made because we don't know and we know that the Lord is very forgiving and very merciful so if we expect that kind of mercy on ourselves we need to watch out what we say and do uh, towards others so that we don't have that same judgment okay we're going to go to number 83 and this one is short so you guys are so grateful that mom's going to stop talking soon okay so Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet, at Independence, Missouri, April 30th, 1832. This revelation was received as the prophet sat in council with his brethren. One to four, women and children have claim upon their husbands and fathers for their support. Five to six, widows and orphans have claim upon the church for their support. Verily thus saith the Lord, in addition to the laws of the church concerning women and children, those who belong to the church who have lost their husbands or fathers. Women have... Okay, so... I remember talking to Finn about this, actually, because um, we were having a conversation and we were just, you know, reading. And sometimes um, the Lord, or not sometimes, the Lord was answering questions that um, the prophet and the apostles had from this time period but also because they were translating the bible and so i think this is a question from um from the time period that they were in because there were a lot of people um like a lot of missionaries that were going out but leaving the wives alone and and the same with like kids back in the day they were dying and parents were dying so back then it was just like really hard um, and they would have a lot of disease and they didn't have cures like they, like we do these days. And so I bet this was one of those questions where it's like, what happens to people if they lose their husbands or their fathers? Right. And so the Lord answered this and said, women have claim on their husbands for their maintenance until their husbands are taken. And if they are not found transgressors, they shall have fellowship in the church. And if they are not faithful, they shall not have fellowship in the church. Yet they may remain upon their inheritances according to the laws of the land. And then all children have claim upon their parents for their maintenance until they are of age. And after that, they have claim upon the church, or in other words, upon the Lord's storehouse, if their parents have not wherewith to give them inheritances. And the storehouse shall be kept by the consecrations of the church, and widows and orphans shall be provided for as also the poor. Amen. So this is where the Lord basically tells tells us, you know, let's care for each other. If somebody doesn't have family that can care for them, like, help them out, you know? And it's sad that he'd have to, like, you know, make it official. But I think sometimes it helps us to know, like, oh, okay, yes, this is a commandment from the Lord. Like, let's help people out who don't have family. And 
either it helps us know that it's something that the Lord wants us to do, or maybe it just helps put it into writing. I don't know. But back then they needed it. And obviously we need it as a reminder. So it's now scripture. So it's kind of, so it kind of works out for everybody. Um, and remember, widows are the ones who don't have husbands and, and it doesn't include widowers, but I'm guessing that's exactly what we would include there as well. Um, cause those are husbands who've lost their wives. But back then it was more likely that wives lost their husbands because they'd go off to war or they'd go off to, um, to mis- serve missions or yeah. So that, that was why they probably put that there instead of adding the widowers as well because it was more common okay that is it and remember um scripture study is always amazing um when you can listen to other people and see how they interpret scripture and especially because it's your mom but if you do scripture study on your own you can hear how the spirit Uh, can communicate to you what kind of promptings or revelations you need for your personal life because I'm not there so I'm not going to be there 24-7 for you so these are things that come to me when I'm reading but it is even better when you can read and things can come to you so I love you and we'll see you again soon bye